Hello and welcome to the Verblio Show. This is the podcast for digital agencies and digital marketers brought to you by Verblio, the friendliest content creation platform in the business. I'm your host, Steve Pakras, and I'm Verblio CEO. Today I'm talking with Ross Gray, co-founder of Cloud Campaign, a rapid growth social media startup that supports hundreds of digital agencies on their social media campaigns. I wanted to talk to Ross about what drove him to enter the highly competitive MarTech landscape, what he's learned about top trends in social media, and what he's learned about agencies while working with hundreds of them. I also wanted to talk to Ross about what it's like to launch a venture-backed startup. We recorded this call on July 10th, 2020. Enjoy the conversation. I'm excited to be here with Ross Gray from Cloud Campaign today, and uh, thank you so much for being on the Verblio Show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Excited about excited about all of this. Ross, uh, my first question for you is the MarTech 8000 just came out in April. Uh, it moved from 5000 to maybe 8000. Uh, in the concept of red ocean versus blue ocean, MarTech now feels like a bloody red ocean. And I'm wondering <laughs> why you would want to start a company in this space and then what you, you and your uh, your partner, Ryan, thought um, were hoping to do with Cloud Campaign. Kind of starting way back in the day, my business partner, Ryan, had the original idea of Cloud Campaign. We actually have a mutual friend that works for an apparel company, and the company was really big on weather-based triggers. So if you, it's, you're in Seattle and it's raining, you're getting an email about rain jackets. So he was thinking, well, no one's doing this in social media. I should build that. And he did. And what he realized pretty quickly is that it was a really cool feature, but not a lot of people were willing to pay for it. So he started building out the bones of a social media marketing tool. And that's about the time that I came on and we had talked to some companies. He had talked to some companies and was like, we should target agencies. And I was actually kind of against the idea at the beginning. So we started talking to more businesses and all of them now were outsourcing their marketing to agencies. I mean, it was just crazy. So we started calling agencies and not a single agency we spoke with seemed to be happy with the current solutions. They were using like four or five different tools and everybody was pretty upset about it. So that's kind of where we said, well, there seems to be a gap, even though there's this massive 8,000 companies in this space. So let's go after it. So about seven or eight months of cold calling and, Ryan building out features. We had a company and we figured out how to sell it. Tell us more about just what Cloud Campaign does uh, and how you approach social media differently than everyone else that you were finding in the space. So I think the real difference is that we're specifically designed for these marketing agencies and that we really listened to what they had to say for, you know, the seven or eight months of, of cold calling that we did. And I've obviously continued to listen to them as we've, as we've grown. So the real things are agencies need a lot more automation. Social media management is really kind of a pain in the butt and can be hard to scale. And so we tried to build a ton of that automation into the system. So the way that we handle scheduling, reporting, all of that's built in. And another thing that people tend to really struggle with was client collaboration. And there's really high turnover in the agency space. And so we wanted to tighten the bonds between agencies and their clients. So we tried to completely rethink the way that people handle approvals, the way that clients can interact with the system, white labeling so clients can, their agencies can punch a bit above their weight class and really try to service all the little, little idiosyncratic needs that agencies have and have just built those into the system. That story sounds awfully familiar. That is a lot of, <laughs> one of the main reasons I wanted to have you on the show is because we are both approaching 
agencies scaled solutions in a very similar way, even though in a different parts of the space. Yeah, I mean, it definitely seems like, you know, the space that you're in is, is the exact same way. I think people had been doing it in kind of an antiquated way and people's view of SEO was, was pretty outdated. And now they're realizing that going through companies such as yours is, is just the better way to streamline things. A lot of digital agencies I talk to just won't touch social media. It's just too much work. There's too many moving pieces and layers of approval needed. And it's too hard to show ROI to these clients. What would you say to those agencies? I mean, they're not wrong, right? It's, it's the reason that we have a company. So <laughs> one hand, maybe I'm happy about it, but yeah, I mean, social media marketing is, it, it really is a pain. Organic social media management is really arduous. And that's why we've tried to automate as much of it as possible. I think as far as value attribution, you're totally right. Clients oftentimes are thinking when they, when they, hire a marketing agency they want to see results the next day and it doesn't work that way and i think you know the latest study that i saw showed that 68 percent of people now before they will buy from you before they will use your services look you up on social media and try to figure out who you are as a company and i think that's the real value prop that i talk to our agencies about pitching to their clients and i think more and more people are starting to see that especially in the age of COVID. I know me personally, I've been trying to figure out which restaurants near me are open and I'll go to their Facebook page and, and I'll look and see. And oftentimes they're posting about, Hey, yeah, we have outdoor seating now and other restaurants. I'll go look at their page and they're totally dead. I have no idea. I can't get a hold of them on the phone maybe. So I think more and more people are starting to see the value of social media and cultivating and informing an audience. So we both work with hundreds of digital agencies every month. I'm wondering what you've learned about digital agencies that's surprising and might help other agency owners and employees listening to this interview. The most interesting thing that I've found is how important it is to work collaboratively with your clients. I think it's easy because social media management is kind of a pain to just, I'm just going to create some content and I'm going to spit it out there. And you know, when times get hard, oftentimes they're the first ones to go, right? The, you know, the, the budget gets tight and they just cut the marketing agency. But I think if you really spend the time understanding your client needs and trying to emulate the voice of your client in a proper way, talk with the founders, talk with the people who are running the company, the CEOs, and figure out what is it that this company wants to put out there in the world. And if you make your branding that you're putting out there resonate with. It, it makes the product much more sticky. The turnover rate is another thing that really surprised me. There's really high turnover rate for agencies, especially on the social side. So having that client agency relationship is, is really imperative to scale an agency. It is an incredibly hard business and those guys yeah. work really hard to, uh, to make it all work with the amount of competition out there. Totally. I mean, <laughs> I think that there's last that I saw, well, there's 100,000 marketing agencies, like full-scale agencies in the U.S. and Canada. And I think there's 4.2 million freelance marketers in the U.S. alone. And that's growing every single day. More and more businesses are just outsourcing. And so it's creating this market, but it's highly competitive because of it. What are some of the biggest mistakes that digital agencies make in social media when working with their clients? Yeah, I think that's a really good question. I think there's a lot of this ties into what I had just talked about, which is not really emulating the voice of the clients that they're working with. So I know that we've definitely had clients who were just losing clients constantly out the back door. They might've been great salespeople and they kept having clients come in through the front door, but they just were, you know, they'd get a new client and they'd spend actual no time on the creation side of things. So they would just create five generic pieces of content, 
throw it up for that client for the week and then, you know, spend the rest of the time trying to onboard new clients or talking to new clients. And they have this issue of a leaky bucket. And the companies that I see that are more and more successful and are growing are the ones who can pass the leaky bucket and build those relationships with their clients. I think another part of this is spending time talking about the value that you bring to your client, right? As an agency, if you're not doing reporting, if you're not talking about the metrics that are growing and you're not showing those to your clients on a weekly or monthly basis, again, when times get hard, you're probably going to get the next. And I, I saw a lot of this when COVID hit and that don't do any reporting suffered pretty, pretty badly because of that, because they didn't have that connection in with their clients. Do you have any specific examples of what a campaign looked like when it had this wrong tone versus what it looked like afterwards? I think we're always looking for, we all know that we want to have better tone and hit the messaging right, but it's also really hard to figure out what that is. Yeah. You know, I can talk about us specifically. Cloud campaign was about a month away from having the door shut. You know, during that, that six to eight month cold calling period, we weren't really selling anybody. We didn't have a brand voice. We didn't necessarily understand the market that we were trying to target. And, you know, we didn't know at the time, but we were doing a lot of market research, but not taking a salary for eight months, <laughs> you know, not too far outside of college is hard to do. And so we were, we were about a month away from closing the doors. And then, you know, what we realized is we kind of had this aha moment where we took a step back and we thought to ourselves, what are we hearing from our, our, our customers? What are we hearing from the agencies that we're talking with? No customers at the time, but hopeful customers, you know, and what we realized is, okay, they want more automation and white labeling. They want to be able to brand something as their own and they want to look more professional. So literally that night we started running an ad talking about white labeling and we woke up in the morning, the whole business had changed and it's just been growing since then. So for us, it was, it was, taking that step back and really thinking about what we were hearing from our customers that saved our business. That's really interesting. One of the things we were talking about before, uh, before we started recording was just uh, how we're both addressing pain points for agencies, helping them become more scalable, uh, also creating new marketing channels uh, for their end clients, but doing it in kind of like very different aspects of it. Social is so immediate. Content marketing is so the investing for the long term. the the classic example or the, the classic metaphor is that we're all about running and eating broccoli every day and you guys are about <laughs> drinking Red Bull. I'm wondering what uh, the other perspectives you, uh, you, can, you have about uh, social media and anything that you can share as far as best practices or new trends that you've seen that are, that are working. Social media, man, you know, is, it is ephemeral, right? So all of the platforms want you to spend as much money as possible. So they've continued to ratchet down the algorithms. Last I saw, I think it was less than 5% of your audience will see anything you post organically. And so, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of a hard thing to stay on top of and it's hard to necessarily see the value right away. Again, kind of running back to something I said earlier, it's like 68% of people now will look you up on social media. And I think that's really important to remember. But as far as best practices go, a lot of agencies have started to recycle content because it is so ephemeral. So, you know, if you post something now and post it six, seven, eight weeks from now, the chances of somebody seeing it and remembering it. I have never in working with hundreds and hundreds of agencies had anybody have a client get mad at them over that, or at least tell me about it. So I think that's becoming more and more popular. Video content, something that you and I had just talked about is doing better and better. I know that from an outside 
anytime you're getting engagement on posts on social media, Facebook actually ranks you higher and you'll pay less for your views if your content is actually really engaging if you're running ads on it. And Facebook tracks a video watch as an engagement, just like it would a like. And so more and more people are starting to schedule videos. That's why now you probably see a heck of a lot more videos as far as coming into your feed um, from ads than you do single image posts. So video content, producing as much of it as possible and recycling that content are kind of the two major tips that I have right now. Excellent. I didn't know either of those, but I really like the way they relate to content in the beginning of my last question, which was uh, people often say that uh, in, uh, a prospect will look at 11 to 12 pieces of content on your site to get to know you and before they make their buying decision, which also is very, very in line with what you're talking about. And then we're also being asked on the content side to do a lot more repurposing um, of uh, refreshing content, taking the top 10% of articles that you've written in the last five years, refreshing them and then posting them on social like you're helping audience do. So we are, uh, we are seeing similar trends on opposite sides of it. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense, right? I, it's something that's really interesting. We've sent out posts just to test it 15 times over the course of an entire year. And there will be almost no drop in engagement from the first time we sent it out to the 15th time we've sent it out. But some people are, you know, they're still against it. But I think I think they're trending in, in the, the way of being okay with recycling more content. Back to your eight months of no salary comment. In order <laughs> to start up your company in one of the most competitive spaces that exists. So I want to ask you some questions in startup land. So yes. first of all, as a, as a first-time entrepreneur uh, who just raised a bunch of money as a very successful company, uh, but also took a lot of grind to get there, what are some of the lessons that you learned along the way? What, what was surprising to you? You know, you're constantly told that starting a business is hard and it takes tenacity and then you don't truly understand necessarily what that means. And after, you know, my first bout of shingles and losing my hair and my business partner going gray, you start to understand a bit more of what exactly it takes. I think it, it, all, of, all of what you hear is true. It takes a ton of grit. It takes an unbelievable amount of tenacity. You really just have to be willing to succeed almost no matter, almost no matter what cost. It's a lot of late nights. Um, yeah, I think, I think all, of, all of that is true. And I think if you're going to start a company, you just need to be ready for that. One of those corporate cliches is never give up, always keep fighting. Uh, and then there's also the other side of that until it's really time to quit. How do you know That's when true. it's time to be more dedicated and have more tenacity versus, you know, at that point, we probably should have given up. That is absolutely true. And I think the sunken cost fallacy is a real thing. And I, I think it's so hard to say because I know, again, we were a month away from closing the doors on the company. Um, and now, like you said, we're, we're venture backed and we're growing pretty rapidly. So it's so hard because I, we were at the point where we're like, okay, you know what? It's time to give up. So I, I don't know that I have a, a real answer to that just because, uh, you know, from, from personal experience, we were already hit the point of it's time to give up and apparently <laughs> it wasn't. <laughs> That's so great. Well, I have the deepest respect for, uh, entrepreneurs who started from the beginning. I, um, as you know, took over from two co-founders who went through everything that you're going through to get it to the place where I could take over from them. And, uh, I am very grateful that they went through all of those long nights. You're also the chief operating officer of cloud campaign. And so you manage a team. Is this the largest team you've ever run? Oh yeah, yeah. So I think we're up to 11 people now, I wanna say. And you know, it's 
just about a year ago, there was two of us. And so we've, we've grown pretty quickly and just going from two people, your first employee is very different. And now, you know, you get to about the 10 mark, it starts being pretty different as well. What did, uh, what did you learn about managing people in this rapid kind of uh, trial by fire experience? Yeah, I think the hardest thing is, is kind of being in a little bit of an in-between state, which, which we kind of are in now, I would say, but we're, we're starting to come out of, which is where you're managing people and you know all the time consuming parts of that. But at the same time, you have all of your daily tasks that you need to do. So sometimes it feels like all of a sudden it's you know five o'clock in the afternoon and that's when the first part of your day ends, but now you have all of the actual work that you need to get done. And so you think, oh, as I build this team, maybe it's gonna get a little easier. It doesn't, at least not in this in-between stage, it actually seems to be more complicated, but I love our team. They're incredibly hardworking and just great people. And it, it just makes, it does make the company more fun. It's so funny you should say that. The first, so when I, when I started off as a CEO, I was talking to Jim Franklin, who's a big tech visionary in Colorado. And I asked him, what are your, what's the first lesson that'll surprise me about being a CEO? And he said, your entire job is to help the rest of the team. And all you do all day long is take up things that you need to do that night, which is where you get your actual deliverables done, which is- Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. <laughs> I wish he was wrong. Yeah, me too. Uh, last question. Um, during this uh, crazy 2020, have you found any surprising or interesting ways to keep yourself entertained that you would have never considered before? I think something all of my friends and I, this is probably terrible, but we, we got into call of duty. I know it's this, like it, I wish I had, I wish I had said reading or literally anything else, but there, I, I, that is what all of my friends, including my co-founder, I'm going to call him out here. Uh, and so we've been, we've been playing that more often whenever we aren't working until God knows what time, but, uh, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> so many people answer this question with another form of self-improvement and how much can we all improve ourselves at any given time before we just have to relax? Yeah. You know, I, like I said, I, you know, I, I would give the, the platitude of, oh, I started reading more, but currently these books that are supporting my computer, <laughs> most I've done with them in the last little bit. So yeah, it's, it's, you know, we worked a lot and I think it's nice to just kind of relax and hang out. Awesome. Ross, it's been an absolute pleasure uh, talking to you. Thanks so much for joining me on The Verblio Show. Thanks for having me. It was a blast. That's it for this episode of The Verblio Show. Thanks for tuning in. This is Steve Pockross in Denver, Colorado, signing off.